as I've been getting notes about our show, a friend of mine told me that he's having difficulty hearing the difference between our voices. He says we sound alike. I can't believe anyone would say that's true. Quiet, please. I'm just glad we don't look alike. Okay. <laughs> In four, three, two. Terrible Company presents a truly dreadful podcast. Welcome to Nonsense, episode number four. I'm Jeff Parker. And I'm CJ Little. This is our take on the week's business, tech, and entertainment headlines. This time we'll look at Y2K V2. Are you willing to trade your privacy for security? Tipping for good service? What's right with cryptocurrency? And finally, Happy Lunar New Year. Happy Lunar New Year to you, too. I didn't get you anything. I know. But first, our headlines. So according to scientists at the International Institute for Applied Systems Analysis... Gravity batteries in abandoned mines could power the whole entire planet, and they don't self-discharge. What's a gravity battery? Apparently it's like a big rock that you put on a, on a cable, Yeah, and it goes down the shaft. And you expend energy lifting it up the shaft, and then you get energy back when you... When it goes down. Right. And so when, it hang, when it's hanging in its topmost position, yep. it's not leaking energy. A lot of potential energy until that rope breaks. Uh, T-Mobile confirms hackers stole data from 37 million customer accounts. Again. This Yeah, this is their uh, fifth data breach since 2018. For six weeks, someone was draining their data undetected in their system. Now, the interesting thing about this is they paid a fine on one of their, they, they paid out to customers in a class action suit, $350 million. And in that, they had to promise to spend $150 million to upgrade their security. Mm -hmm. How's that going? Apparently not well. Jane Fraser, CEO of Citigroup Wall Street's biggest work from home advocate, now has some concerns about remote work. Yeah, it turns out these leases are really expensive. We should put people in there. You know, I, I, that's not actually the case. I think Jane Fraser is one of the best CEOs in banking. Yeah. And she's extremely smart. And okay. here's what she was totally on board from work for, for work from home. And then she discovered there are workers who are lagging. Yeah. Who are not performing. Sure. As, and, and so for mentorship's sake, she's saying it's really probably better if, you, if, mm. if, if you're a top performer, fine, stay at home, do everything you want. If you Rather than us having to release you from employment. Sure. Come in and learn from others sure. how we do this. I mean, you can still mentor remotely, but also they've got a big enough footprint that you can do regionalized areas. It's hard know, It's yeah. hard to mentor remotely. I, that's, I appreciate that's that. That's difficult. I agree. And, and she very, and I, you know, talk about great leadership. The first thing she, she, she put it on herself, she said, when I was coming up in, in, in business, um, I had great mentors, and that's yeah. how I got to go where I got to go. Totally. That's, that's an A+. Plus. Yeah. Toadzilla, have you seen this story? He sounds big. No, I haven't. <laughs> Sounds yeah. giant. Some some park rangers in in Queensland, Australia, uh, came across this snake crossing the road. So they pull over their car. Okay, as one does. And, as one does, and they see in the in the in the grass by their car uh, this this cane toad. Okay, and this cane toad looks rather large, and so the woman sure. gets out and she picks it up, and oh my God, it's six pounds. It's the world's largest cane toad. The world's well, the cane toads are the largest of the toads. Sure, so it's the world's largest toad. Yeah, um, females. The females get bigger than the males. Okay, and uh, and she she you know they euthanize them because they're they're pests. They they okay. literally are are highly highly toxic. She had to wear gloves when she was touching it. Wow, and nothing eats the cane toad. Okay, the cane toad it can eat anything it puts in its mouth. Okay. So this is like a huge, me. yes, this is a huge, huge problem in, in, uh, in Queensland. Um, they were initially introduced into Australia because they had a cane beetle. And the, oh. cane, the cane beetle would in, put its larva into sugarcane, which is an sure. important crop, right? Yep. 
And so they thought, well, let's bring in 24 of these cane toads. They'll eat all the... No the, problem. Not a problem. What could go Always wrong? sounds like a great idea, yeah. right? They we'll tell them all to practice abstinence. We'll be fine. 20, exactly. 2,400 cane toads <laughs> is now 200 million plus cane wow. toads. So is it like prairie dogs in the Midwest? Like, will farmers pay you to go down there and just shoot a bunch of cane toads? I'm not shooting frogs. Why not? They're I, pests. I'm a, I'm a techie. I don't do that. Yeah, okay. Well, so we'll make we'll make trebuchets. Now, when AI takes away our jobs, <laughs> yeah, totally. we might have to learn to shoot cane yeah. toads. That may be our next to survive. career. Super gonorrhea has reached the U.S. You don't have any good stories, do you? Toadzilla straight into super gonorrhea. Super gonorrhea is one of my favorite superheroes. <laughs> yes, it is. You don't read the DC comics, I do don't. you? I don't. Yeah. Is he brown? <laughs> what color is super gonorrhea? Probably a green brown. <laughs> I'm going to guess it's probably a green brown. Probably a green brown. With a little pink, maybe some yeah, maybe, red. Yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, it's got super strong antibiotic resistance. They had two cases in Massachusetts. Uh, and Figures. The two, and the two cases. Good job, Massachusetts. Leading yeah, us on super gonorrhea. The two cases supposedly were actually unrelated. So there wow. may be a lot more cases that we don't know about. Yeah. Lawmakers grill ticketing industry after Taylor Swift concert fiasco. Did you get your Taylor Swift tickets? I did not. Yeah. I don't know much about Taylor Swift's music. I can tell you as a business person, mm-hmm. I got a lot of respect for Taylor Swift. Sure. She's been absolutely amazing to follow. I did see that uh, her last album that dropped, I think, this past winter outsold... Uh, uh, vinyl outsold CDs for the first time in like 25 years. Yeah, incredible. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Because vinyl's going up and record. CD sales have to be near zero. Now, there's a whole aspect of the story that we could talk about, about uh, Ticketmaster, mm-hmm. Live Nation, having uh, essentially a monopoly on tickets. I don't know if we need the word essentially, an, but yes. That's, that's, yeah, that's that's an interesting an interesting topic. That's not the thing I want to talk about with, mm-hmm. with you right now. Okay. Uh, this was like calling a radio station being caller number 107. A zillion people are going to do it all at once. Yep. And Ticketmaster knew. She said, are you going to be able to handle this kind of volume? Sure. 2.4 million tickets people are going to want to get in all at the same second. Yeah. How do you do this? How do you make a database not fail? How do you make a website not fail when you've got everyone coming on I literally mean, at the same moment? You can do it. Is it worth the investment? Probably not. Because you're going to use it for one t- second. I mean, yeah, exactly. And then the rest of the time, it's all, all going to yeah, be idle. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, she could have maybe spread out her show dates. You're sharding the database yeah. for sure. I mean, you're doing lots of, of, of nifty and tricks. It's not, you know, because they get, I'm not, look, I'm not anybody to give Ticketmaster any sort of rope on this, but it's not an easy problem for them either because they've got bots that are constantly of course, up tickets. Of course. So they got to make sure you're human and then people locking them up in their cart and not buying them. It's a hard problem. Ticketmaster may have their own bots buying up tickets. Yeah. You, you don't really know. Yeah. Well, that's just, a, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I thought that was an interesting story just because technologically, I think the problem is quite, quite, it's hard. Di- quite difficult. It's hard. 39 yeah. mass shootings in the last 24 days this year. We've had yeah. 24 days to this year. We've had That's 39 mass shootings. Just It bonkers. doesn't matter if you're a Republican. It doesn't matter if you're a Democrat. I think we can all agree the current system isn't working. Yeah. 39 is a high number. 39 would be an, a high number for the year. Oh, yeah. Like if it was a 39 mass shootings for the year. Know, in some yeah. countries, that would be the whole uh, year. I think you mean in most countries. This was really cool. You are going to like this one. 19% of new vehicles in California last year were zero emission vehicles. Yeah, love it. Zero emission vehicle sales were 5.8. 5.8%. That's a lot. Yeah. 6% of all U.S. new car sales. Uh, 5.8%. Yeah, but, but yeah, it's a lot of cars. Not round. You have too many digits. <laughs> you, you hate it when I don't round these numbers. <laughs> I mean, I'll give you two digits. When you get into three or four digits, nobody cares. Okay. Elon Musk has an interest payment coming oh, up boy, for here we Twitter. Go. You know, he borrowed $13 billion. As one does from their friends. He now owes an interest payment of $300 million. He can probably pay it. Sure. 
but they're just going to these these payments are just going to keep coming. That turns out that's how interest works. And revenue's got to be off. I mean, he's saying it's off forty percent. The reality is it's probably off seventy or eighty wow. percent. I don't know. You look at your Twitter. What do you see? You don't see the name brand ads. Anymore. You know what I see? I see a lot of people moving to Mastodon. Yeah, the number of people that have Mastodon handles in their Twitter handle is impressive. Like non-nerd, the nerds all moved. We are all there, but the non-nerds, I'm impressed. Yeah, I got one last story. Okay, this is uh, surfing in Oahu. Ah, the Eddie. I, I can't even say the guy. I don't speak Hawaiian, so I, I'm going to say this badly. Uh, Eddie Akayo, Big Wave Invitational. Yeah. Uh, it's the best surfers in the world. They yeah. come and they. It's a, for the last thirty some years they've had this competition, and you literally draw the best of the best surfers. Uh, the the month before when this would be held, it's only been held nine times in the last thirty years because the wave conditions haven't been right. But the top surfers start monitoring the weather reports and buoy reports and all yeah. this stuff to see if they're going to actually hold this thing. And so they held it this year. It was Saturday. And um, the best surfers all fly in and do, you know, get ready and do their old thing. It was won by a, a guy who was a lifeguard on the beach. That's awesome. Who asked his boss. I mean, not for all the guys that flew in to compete. Yeah, but, but he asked his boss, can I go get... Uh, you you know, might have go out there and show these can I sign up on the alternate? Yeah, yeah, can I sign up on the alternate That's list? That's awesome. And he creamed everybody. What's his name? Luke Shepardson. Luke Shepardson. Yeah. Awesome. Good job, Luke. This oh. is episode four, and uh, I'd also like to point out it's the fourth episode where we've mentioned Hawaii in the top. All right, those are our headlines, so let's uh, hit the button, and you can tell us all about Y2KV2. Well, okay, this time it's not Y2K. It's Y2K38. Y2K38. Do you know why? Uh, not a clue. Well, let's go back to the beginning, shall yeah. we? Uh, what did you think was going to happen on Y2K? I was hoping I'd get kissed. <laughs> did it come out? It's New Year's. Did it work? I think it worked out okay. What did you think the worst case scenario I don't was? I remember, actually. What? What did you think the worst case scenario was I wouldn't in Y2K? I wouldn't get kissed. <laughs> It was very very Jeff-centric. Yeah, no, it's all about It was a very Jeff-centric millennium. Sure, sure. Uh, No, I know. It was because uh, we had four-digit, two-digit year representations, and that was going to roll over. We're going to run out of all that uh, that data space. Yep. And and nothing happened. But going back 20 years, Y2K, everybody was concerned that it was all going to fail and break. We had people camped out in data centers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you remember what I did? No, stored up water. I went to Paris. Oh, that's right, you I did. I totally that's fucked right. off and went to Paris. Yeah. I remember that. And I had clients that were freaked out that stuff was going to break. And I was like, nothing's going to break. Yeah, no, Nothing's sure. going to fail. It's totally fine. Because we prepped for it, right? And I can look at all your database tables. I can see if you have any year rep- years representatives to Yeah, two I mean, characters. it was more like older systems that hadn't been updated where you're worried about. And there were some things, there were some wrinkles, but they were all very small wrinkles that happened. My favorite were years would be reported in 2000 as 19100. That was probably my favorite. Some bad, awesome. some bad string parsing, <laughs> um, and then and and this is just me complaining now. There was, a, do you know what date windowing is or was? So this is just a kick the can problem, right? Guys are probably about to retire before two thousand. Said, well, okay, instead of actually fixing the problem and using a four digit representation and a freaking string, yeah, we're gonna just make anything that's from like zero zero to one nine. We're just gonna make that oh, mean two thousand. Yes, of course, of course. So. You know, not if you want to represent a date from the 1911s. Yeah. And we're just going to kick the problem to 2020. And my, my belief is just because they'd be retired then. 
so that when it breaks, they'd be like, deal with not it. my problem. Sure. So anyway, so we're, we're calling this now the apocalypse, which I think is great. Okay. Epoch. Ellipse, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, when's the epoch? Do you remember when the actual epoch uh, was? January 1st. 1970 at midnight. That is correct. That's the Unix the epoch. So that is the Unix yeah. epoch. So the way most systems keep time is the number of seconds or milliseconds since that epoch, right? right. And since basically these machines or these, these more specifically the software that's on top of these machines didn't exist before 1970, we didn't have to worry about the representations before 1970. Right. Forget about history and any of that fun stuff. We've got machines that have been counting one second every single second since yeah. 1970, and that's how they do their math. And uh, anything that's encoded in 32-bit, so typical time T struct is a signed 32-bit, you get about two plus billion seconds until it rolls over. Sure. Well, two billion seconds is coming up. I'm sure in 1970 they thought, well, that's never going to come. Exactly. We're yeah. never going to get... More importantly, I'm not going to be alive, right. so it's not a problem. I won't be working here. So that date is January 19th, 2038. Correct. January 19th, 2038, the 32-bit signed ints will roll over. And all sorts of bad shit will happen because it won't just be. Oh, that's a very different case. That's oh, a very, extremely absolutely. different case than the other white. Absolutely. Yeah. And what's really interesting about this, too, is when it rolls over, it doesn't just go like backwards. It goes to a negative time. So Correct. anything that doesn't interpret this well is now going to go look at things that are 50 plus years before 1970 yeah. and all sorts of hell is just going to break loose. So what what is fascinating about this to me is um, I'm coming across people that are testing it on their systems now just to see what would happen. Not that sure. it's actually going to be a thing. Sure. And as expected, it's not pretty, right? right? It's like of course these bizarre failure cases, things that are dying. Now, the good news at the end of this is we're kicking the can ourselves as a solution for this. So typically, we're taking from a 32-bit signed integer and putting it into a 64-bit signed integer. Sure. Which is still kicking the can. That's kicking the can way down Well, the road. I mean, yeah, a little bit. So you're kicking it's the can be. to I a... Don't, I don't know the math, but it's got to be huge. Turns out I do. Oh yeah, uh, of course you do. About two hundred and ninety-two billion years. Oh, so we are so yeah. we are going to come up on that day which, eventually. Which, by the way, is greater. I tried to put some perspective on what that means. <laughs> it's greater than twenty times the age of the current universe. Sure, sure. So, but that's just get the event that's going to come up. Someone's going to have to deal with it. Somebody. It's not going to be me. We won't be working there. It's then. not going to be. No, I will probably be retired. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. They keep pushing the retirement age up. I might still be working by then. So, I mean, what what are we concerned about here? I think it's going to be. Embedded systems. Well, everything running 32-bit software. Well, yeah, right? right? And you've got a whole bunch of like Raspberry Pis that are 32-bit, install 32-bit software by default. They're not putting 64-bit software on it. Mine have, might have 64-bit. Of course they do. Yeah. Of course, because you're a super nerd. I think they even stopped. But like vehicles I think they even equipment? stopped making 32-bit Linux. I never see it when There's I see options. There's still 400 machines out there I know, but I never, But I never, see, I never see the latest version of the kernel in 32-bit uh, version of it. I only see the 64-bit version of it. But it's pretty awesome to see folks uh, i just thought it was i was tickled by the fact that folks were testing this on their machines which is kind of like what's well, interesting right like yeah. you just and you kind of want to go to a production machine and just be like let's just see what happens just set right. up the january 19th 2038 you know two seconds before the rollover i probably wouldn't try it, it on a production machine no that's probably a bad idea <laughs> yeah. anyway that's the y2k 38 problem mark your calendars it's around the corner coming up next trading your privacy for security not me You read the Wall Street Journal? Uh, I do, mainly for the comics. Yes, great, uh, great article in this week's Wall Street Journal that was about this database that tracks people who uh, uh, transfer money outside of the U.S. or inside of the U.S. from Mexico and twenty-two other regions. 
and and uh, 150 million money transfers, and they keep them in a database that literally anyone can have access to. I can just any, go select splat. Pretty much. Select any, splat Jeff Parker. Any, any, right. Any, any uh, policeman can, can go gra- grab this data, whether he has a warrant or not. It does not require That's any crazy. oversight or warrant. Now, obviously, they're doing it because they're afraid of money laundering. Sure. They're afraid of you know the various things. So it's, there's some security benefit to this, I guess. Uh, the question is, how much privacy are you willing to give up for security yeah it's a balance i mean it and, and i also think it comes down to what you're hinting at here which is it's the execution right the execution of this sounds kind of terrible right this is all right. just sitting in a whatever this a is some database. Non- non-profits yeah. database the the transaction record analysis center that that keeps 600 local and law enforcement federal law enforcement agencies with warrantless access to the full names of the sender and recipient the amounts of money wow. through western yeah, union sure. MoneyGram. look i think it's good to know if people are sending money to terrorist organizations or sanctioned companies, sanctioned countries, sure, that's most good of to these know. people making these transfers are not doing that. Are very poor. Yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah. really, this is not something you probably need to be keeping in a database like this. Are you seeing people sending, you know, huge, enormous? Sure. So make it just log them in the database if they're sending over ten thousand exactly. dollars. Give it Put some, some trigger on it or something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what that's I, I not how think, it works. I, I've never. Um, how can I say this lightly? I've never been impressed with the execution uh, of the government on most of these things. Right. Like it's either too wide of a net or it's completely defeatable. This this doesn't sound like this was executed very well. Right. Very much like TSA's, you know, doing their their profiling where they're not sure. just not profiling. They're randomly picking someone to, to yeah. you know, to frisk. No, and, I've got some good TSA stories. Yeah. What's that? Well, the random one is interesting. My non-educated uh, intuition on that is that, that that's probably a decent idea to randomly pull somebody out of the line now and again sort the, of like a, the 87 year old hawaiian know, woman know, know. is not looking to take yeah. the plane she's down. just bringing spam home that's all she's doing exactly that's all she's doing uh the 20 year old kid no matter what color his skin is that kid you might want to look yeah, at. yeah yeah totally especially if it's my kid they're all 20 year old males in their 20s are probably the the biggest sure. demographic we're, we're, we're it's not that profiling is a problem we're just profiling the wrong people <laughs> just profiling poorly yeah uh there was this this story a while ago so this has got to go back at least probably 10 years uh this guy i think he was a security researcher had sort of highlighted that the and i believe this is still the case when you go through TSA and you scan your boarding pass, all they're doing is pulling your encoded information that's inside the barcode. So yeah. your name, Jeff Parker, yeah. your birthday, the flight, not even your birthday, the flight information. It's pulling out of the barcode, putting it on screen, and the, the TSA agent compares that to your license, right? And they're using that to make sure that Jeff Parker isn't on a watch list to get through. That's it. But the point is that there's no live system. Like when you scan that barcode, it's not actually hitting a live system to validate that you have a, a, a booking on a flight. Yeah. It's all encoded in the barcode. So this uh, this researcher, I think it was a researcher, had pointed this out and said, hey, this is problematic. Like we should tie these systems together because people could make fake boarding passes or they could sure. change the name so that if Jeff Parker's on a list, you could change your name to Bob Smith and, and still get through TSA. You could bypass that yes. right? and match some fake ID or whatever that you had. Um, so nothing happened, right? He, he, he sort of published this information. Nothing happened for, I think, a couple of years. So then he said, as most good researchers will do, well, okay, if you're not going to do anything about this, I'm going to exploit it. Right. So he made a, there's like a web page you could go so to. So I make you, so I force you to have to do something totally. about it. Yeah, you force command, right? So, uh, he made a little web page you could go to and you could put in your name and a flight information and an airport and the date and it would print you a boarding pass, like a legit looking, whatever, Southwest American yeah, boarding yeah. pass. And here's the thing. 
it would work to get through TSA. Sure. It wouldn't work to get you on a plane because you don't have a reservation. Those systems actually are tied to the reservation system. But to get through security, it would totally work. Is there some reason TSA is not tied into the reservation system? I think it's probably a complex problem that they, I mean, they have all of the money, so they should yeah. be able to solve it. And I know people that work at the TSA, so I'm sure they're going to be super grumpy with me even saying this. Sure. Uh, this guy made these this boarding pass generator that you could just walk through security now. You could just print a boarding pass in my name, see well, sure, little sure. in the state. That's and, a problem, And the, the thing way. is, it did get their attention when yes. it did that. And they did do something about it. <laughs> what they do. Uh, well, you would like to think they improved the system. You'd like to think they interconnected all these TSA terminals to make it safer for all of us to fly. Right. But neither yeah. business nor the government works that way. No, they didn't do that. They uh, went to his house and seized all of his shit. Right. So he literally came home and there was like a like an FBI seizure notice taped to his kitchen table. So literally the guy who points out your yeah. problem, who could yeah. help you. That's the guy you yell at. That's the guy yeah. whose stuff you the stole. The white hat guy who's trying to help. Right. Meanwhile, to meanwhile, you're keeping your, yeah. meanwhile, you're keeping that system in place sure. so that other people can exploit it. And I'm, I mean, granted, I've flown a lot less during, uh, during um, the pandemic, but I'm pretty sure that's how those systems still work. So you could still generate your own boarding pass. Well, that makes me feel, feel incredibly secure. Security theater. Bruce Schneier. He's always wow. called TSA security theater. It's the presentation of security without actually making anything more secure. It's a drink cart that goes in front of the... Uh, front cabin at the plane so that yeah. you can't get to the pilot who's going to go use the that's restroom. effective that's actually effective it might slow someone down but if yeah. i really wanted to get to the pilot sure. i probably could i mean they lock the door still they always keep two people in the in the cockpit now like it, yeah. it, it, the procedure's better the pilot's got to pee you don't want them like you don't, you don't want to be like a trucker filling one of those <laughs> bottles just throwing bottles out of the plane at 500 knots <laughs> like, a, like a little okay. like piss bomb or whatever <laughs> just flying over it can't open the door it's gonna <laughs> it would be a chunk of ice <laughs> totally but i mean yeah, a terrible idea, okay. Jeff. One of your worst. Wow. Okay, just okay. let it go. Let the let, let them use let the, the goddamn let the pilot pee. Okay, we're gonna hit the button. We're gonna come back. We're gonna talk about tipping. How do you feel about tipping? I'm for it. Okay, you're pro tipping. hundred percent. Okay, when do you when do you tip? Whenever I get the chance. I've been. I, this is our fourth episode. I've gotten one tip from you. Well, not you. You you got the okay. You got all so the, you have you a got, line. That's you my got point. all the money. You got all the. You don't need any more <laughs> yes. of the money. No. What's I'm, your criteria for tipping? Well, I mean, like if I'm in a restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Of course, I want to. Of course. If this person gives me uh, even good service. even not it doesn't even just, have to be good. just not terrible service. Exactly. Right. Actually, actively okay. not bad. This is service. Where one of the many ways we're like. If you get not terrible service, what do you do for tipping? Twenty percent. Yeah. And if you get amazing service, like just like this person is the best ever. What I, do? I have a, a, a waitress who gives me routinely uh, fantastic service at a restaurant that I frequent. Yes. Hundred percent. You're hundred percent tip. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Let Jeff. Bro I've never even hundred. She's, no, that's she's worth never. It. She's worth. That's it. incredible. Good yeah. on you. Uh, I will tell you my range. Like if it's really mediocre. Yeah. No, that's not true. If it's terrible. I'm still throwing you fifteen percent. I'm never throwing you less than fifteen percent. If I, right, if you if right? you if you bring me the w wrong order, and, because you this still is how hot these coffee on my lap. Right, this is how yeah. these people live, yeah. and, yeah, I, and I and I want you to be around but, to get better at your job. Agreed. Well, okay, I'm not sure that gets it there, but I I agree. You want people, you know, you're, you're helping support their their yeah, job. Yeah, of course, I totally get it. These my poor problem, people. These poor people live on what's called the tipping wage. So yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. The oh, tipping sorry, wage. sorry, sorry. Yeah, which I think most. I got notes here, man. Come on, I, sh I should read ahead. Research. I'm yeah, so sorry. I should. Um, but my my other concern on the other side is even if I get really good service, 
I typically don't tip past about 25% with very, very few exceptions. And I'll blow that away. And I had a tire uh, uh, problem and I had to take my yeah. car down somewhere. A down. tire problem? Yeah. Okay. And a guy worked on my flat tires. Normally it was not fully flat, but it was leaking. And it literally, you know, like a every flattening tire, right? Every 12 okay. hours it would be, you know, it was a, sl a slow leak. We call that in the, in the, um, in the car industry, in the automobile industry, we call that a flat tire. Well, okay. But I had to get this thing fixed and I took it down somewhere South on La Cienega way, way, you know, places I've never been before to lots a, of details to a shop that yep. where they, and a, a lovely man came and he took my car and he jacked it up and he took the tire off. Yep. He worked on this for 50 minutes. Yep. Charged the, $12. He, $35. Yeah. And I was like, there's no chance you're, yeah, an hour sure. of your life is worth, worth $35. Sure. It's yeah. got to be. So I gave him, you know, 100 bucks, and I was like, you know, keep the change. This is silly. Totally. $35 for an hour of your life is in, is in, in 2023. It's 2022 when it happened, which makes more sense, I guess. <laughs> A lot of That's details. That's crazy. <laughs> 2022 La Cienega, 45 <laughs> well, I want you to be able to recreate no, my steps. Ah, fuck, now I know right where you were. I can go look it up. Sure. So do you Cr know Crack where, out your Thomas Guide. There's a lot and, of- and track my track. My do not terabyte. make fun of the Thomas Guide, okay? That is an institution I am not willing to poke fun at. God, I missed my Thomas Guide so much. Um, how come they didn't make electronic maps? How come they didn't make maps for your I, I think I think we're going to talk about how that's one of those companies that sort of missed the boat. Wow. Right, because they had all and the they data. had all they the had data, all the data. Yeah, and it was and it was good. It was great. Yeah, I think they uh, I think they wanted to keep selling books. <laughs> well, I think is what happened. I've derailed a little you. bit on tipping here. Do you know where it came from? No, no idea. So I, I mean, neither. So I did some some altavisting on this, and apparently it has its <laughs> roots in 19th century European taverns. So Americans went over there and like, oh, you would tip in taverns for yeah. service. Yeah, sort of brought the concept back, but then it became a way to subsidize freed slaves in the U.S. Oh, which sure. I didn't appreciate that. It makes a lot of sense, right? It makes so, total sense. Um, and and it, was, it became very popular at the Pullman Company where they had servers and porters that were expected to earn tips. They were paid a very low wage and yeah. expected to earn still, tips. Still that way. So I didn't, I didn't know any of this, right? What I did know, didn't know as much about as I do now, was the tipping wage that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. So from what I've read, I'm no expert on this, but I looked at the Department of Labor site, and I, I'll put a link on this episode, where there are different states where you can have a tipped wage. Yeah. So you can pay a wage that is like $2 oh. an hour, and then they're expected to make it up with tips. Yeah. Which, okay, I get the gist of that, but that's not how this is supposed to work. Right. Right? And this is where I just think the whole tipping concept starts to break down. And this was uh, an article that I'd read uh, in researching this. A woman in Pennsylvania said that her mortgage company has been asking for tips lately. Her mortgage company. Yeah. That doesn't seem like somebody very high on my list. Why would they ask for tips? That doesn't make know. any sense. I don't know. They're providing amazing service. They answer the phone when you call. I don't know. But like, where do you draw okay, the line? That's by the, that's a product I would not think of tipping on. And, and, and of course, uh, that one caught me as this is definitely not what I would right. normally tip on. But the it's still crazy that you can go to these places that will pay their employees below minimum wage with the expectation the employees are going to get tips. Right. And then you've got these other surcharges that have popped up now, too, where you'll see like a 3% cost of living they tack on oh, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. bill or health care. Right. Right. Which, by the way, I am for all of those things. Just raise your prices. Just raise your fucking prices. Right. <laughs> why are you putting this at the end? Yeah. I get why you put it at the end, but why are you putting it at the end? Why is it below the line, right? Yeah. Like, just put it all in there. and. I feel like it's a, more detail as as a diner. It's more detail than I want than I want. So what I do, I don't want to do your taxes. Yeah, exactly. I just want to pay yeah, my bill. I just I would just like a sandwich, please. Exactly. So could we like what's the path to pushing a big big red button in this country, where we could just 
not have tipping, have tipping only as optional for great service. So yeah. if I get my my regular mediocre service, I pay my bill, happy days. Well, you've got to include a reasonable cost of living exactly. wage. Yes. Into, but into the cost of your I'm food. I'm already paying it. Let's just put it above board and not make it this weird dance that's behind. And then you've got these, you know. I don't have any problem with that. If you want to raise the minimum wage so that people are making a living wage. I don't, I mean, it's, I think it's harder than just raising the minimum wage. You still have this, this infrastructure that's set up around tipping. Yeah. And so I, I, in researching this, I'd come across someone who had set up a, a new coffee shop here actually in LA. Okay. And they went out of their way to not accept tipping to the point where the person setting it up had to write their own iOS app so that they could use, I think it was Clover, one, one of the payment processing Stripe maybe, but they didn't want any tipping in it because okay. their point was we're paying an adequate wage. Great. We don't want, and they said they've actually chased down customers that have left money Given their on, the, on the table. Yeah. Like, like, no, that's not what we're trying to do here. And that kind of goes to your point earlier of you need to do more of that if you want to normalize it and make that the thing. And I know we're a long way away from being able to make it a thing. But to do that, they've had to have their prices are not competitive probably with other coffee shops. Of course not. So I mean, it probably there's a sticker shock when you walk in and you see a $17 cup of coffee. But if you can do basic math, and <laughs> 17 bucks, that's the cheap one. That's the small. Okay. If you want the venti, it's a little 36. more. But here's the here's something else that came out of this, which is loosely related and ties back to your previous segment. Something he was getting hazed on on this comment that he made, it wasn't even an article, just a comment, was that he doesn't accept cash. And the reason, I'm assuming it's a he Ooh, had, I don't know. That's interesting. So the, his, the, the point of the, the author on this, the, the coffee shop owner, was... If I want to manage cash, I'm going to have to manage cash and deal with the security around that. I need to dedicate an employee to just managing cash during the day. Yeah. You got to sit at the register. You got to count it. You got to. He's like, give back change. Without that, by the way, have you looked at cash? There's a little. Th there's a little thing on it that says valid for all debts, public and private. Yeah, that's problematic. So how do you not take cash? Well, New York, uh, what a couple of years ago, passed a law that said all establishments must take cash. Yeah, and that is a big problem because you have the underbanked that don't have of course. credit cards or cash cards. I always carry cash on me at all times. I never do. I always have cash on me. I don't have one penny of cash on me. Typically to do something that is like a quick transaction. So yeah. I, as you know, I race cars as a hobby. Yeah. I used to have standing offers to buy chassis, the same car that sure, I race. Sure. People on the street, I should be like, I'll give you 500 bucks for your car right now. Right. It, sound, they, it sounds like, like you're, you're, that's a bad version of Candid Camera. It's a terrible version of Candid Camera. Give me the chassis off your car right now. Right now. $500. Right at 500 bucks. Uh, so anyway, I always carry cash around. You never know. You never know when you need it. But I never use it. I don't want to get changed. Or you hand me change. Right. What am I going to do with right. that? And throw it in a box. By the way, I also have a problem with restaurants who only take cash. Cash only restaurants, or or you know any. Sure. any obviously, you're you just have a lot of problems. You're cheating on your taxes. No. Let's be honest. No, that couldn't you're, be the you're case. You're underreporting your how, how revenue, dare you, sir. Yeah, I know. You're maybe, probably, most likely cheating on your taxes. Yes. Yeah. You also don't want to pay five percent to Amex. And deal with that shit. Okay. Have you ever been to Bill's Burgers? No. Bill's Burgers is up on Oxnard in the Valley. Okay. He's in his I, 90s. I, I don't go up that far. He's in his 90s. Yeah. He's been operating his burger stand since the 40s. Oh, that's cool. He only takes cash. Well, I think there's probably a lot of restaurants that do. No, no, I get it. But like, in his case, he's probably got a legitimate reason. He you doesn't... ain't changing Bill. No. no. I'm, I'm sure Bill has been not paying his taxes in full <laughs> for the past sure. 60 years. Sure. Right? Bill always has like this giant wad of cash on the side. Yeah. So I think it's it's interesting to think about all these things together. Cash, tipping, not accepting cash, yeah. which I think is a real problem. But I also don't want to force a small business to take cash. 
that's a hard pain in the ass. The five percent that you're paying to Amex is totally worth it if you don't have to deal with cash. I think that's the argument. Yeah, because the labor costs of dealing with cash. Are so you said Amex. I think you mean Apple because that's what's coming next. Oh yeah, says Apple. By the way, did you see in the Wall Street again reading the Wall Street Journal when I should have been doing other things more productive? Goldman Sachs lost over a billion dollars to to the underwriting Apple's Apple Pay. Really? Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, I did see an interesting stat about the Target Red Card. And the penetration on that in their stores is like north of 30%. That's incredible. Which is incredible. Now, why? It's so high because they give you a discount. But oh. you think about that as the next primary payment type. I'm surprised they haven't done that yet. Right. Right? Just allow you to use that at other non-target locations. But And then there's, so then there's this last bucket, my last point here I wanted to make, which is that there's all sorts of people that I want to tip that I can't tip. Yes. There's no mechanism for. Correct. The guy that drops off my Amazon packages. I never see him. Does a nine and a half out of ten job every single time. The person who bl- delivers my mail. It's unless you stand totally. out there and stock this poor person, it's impossible to give them a Christmas bonus, right? So like, you, but it's this fine line between you want someone to be able to offer you the opportunity, but not have it in your face, which is what happens now. Like I go pick up a pizza. Yeah, I'm picking up a pizza. Yes, they made the pizza for me, but I had no service, no delivery there. I just go and pick it up. Am I tipping on this? But you're going to, there's like a communal tip jar that you can put money into. Sure. Yeah. But, well, that's what I presume when they're asking for it on the card. Yeah. Same thing, right? Anytime I can find an excuse to stuff money in that jar. You just throw it in there. Um, because these poor people are living. I mean, it's, it's one thing, it's one thing to, you know, have all of your basic sure. needs taken care of. I promise you, it's very hard for those people to meet their totally. basic needs. Especially when my son comes up and, uh, and likes to tip over the tip jar. And I'm like, buddy. Don't. <laughs> My kids will run amok in a restaurant and nobody cares at all sure. until they touch the tip jar. And then there's like 27 sets of eyes and I'm just like, no, I'll just put more in there. All right, let's hit the button. When we come back, let's talk about what's right with cryptocurrency. Which you also cannot tip with. Have you ever owned any cryptocurrency? I, I have, actually. I have owned some you cryptocurrency. You currently own cryptocurrency? I currently own some you, cryptocurrency. You own? I, uh, I have some BTC, as a matter of fact. Well, that's good for you. Yeah. I guess. Uh-huh. Uh, there are, you and I make fun of cryptocurrency a lot. It deserves it. 100%. Absolutely. Uh, fiat currency that's tied to absolutely nothing. Now, the U.S. dollar is a fiat currency, but it is also connected to the world's largest payer of debts happens to pay in the U.S. dollar. So there's a certain amount of stability to that. And for the foreseeable future, we'll probably continue to pay those debts, hopefully. I would say that, well, we're going to find out. Yeah, we're definitely going to find out. That that may not That might not be true. Uh, I would say that there are things that cryptocurrency gets right that current banking does not. Yep. And therefore, there is some good to cryptocurrency, at least the ideas of cryptocurrency. I'm not sure there's a perfect cryptocurrency yet. But I think the ideas are valid. What are some of those things that come up, come to mind for you? That cryptocurrency does well. The cryptocurrency does well. Uh, in addition to money laundering. Money laundering is does perfect. Does great. Sure. Nobody's writing down to take out 10 grand of crypto. Right. Yeah. Um, they, microtransactions, I think, are great. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, it, it, this seems silly to say. The ability to store or move large or small amounts of quickly cryptocurrency quickly in milliseconds. Easily, yep. I mean, I mean, yep. the, the blockchain. If you're doing the blockchain, it's every 20 minutes. But to lock you, it, but you, yeah, yeah, you yeah. theoretically, you theoretically could do it with other types of cryptocurrency that don't require yep. as much power as the entire country of Venezuela. <laughs> you could do it efficiently, and and you could do it in, in milliseconds. I mean, the, the entire concept of the ledger, I think, is super smart. Can moving you, money from point a, point a to point B, though, instantly moving value from point A to point B. I, I think that's 
that's incredibly valuable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and accurately, right? I mean, uh, um, mathematically assurance sure. as opposed to, like we talked about a couple episodes ago, a swift message that just says, yeah, I want to wire all my money to some yeah, bank to in the Dev Philippines. Null. Sure, to Dev Null. <laughs> it's a good place for it. Um, yeah, I mean, it gets... I, Anonymity gets right to a certain point. Uh, there's some things you can still decipher, but certainly much more anonymous than... In any- some countries, I think anonymity is crucial because yeah. there's no presumption really of rule of law. And so yep. someone can walk away with all your money. that You can literally just have no recourse. Yeah, That happens in this country, actually. There's this thing called civil asset forfeiture. If you are carrying around more than $10,000, depends on what the state, what state you're in, your money... You have a presumption of innocence. Sure. Your money does not have that same presumption. They assume if you're carrying around that much cash, you're doing something nefarious. And therefore, the police can seize it. I did not know that. I did not know that you could get that seized. I knew if you crossed the border, like internationally, you don't yeah. declare it, that could get seized. Oh, there are police departments who fund. They want some new piece of equipment, and they will get that money. <laughs> by just seizing some cash. By seizing cash. Wow. For civil asset for That's the new speed trap. You trapped. now have to yeah. go. You once, once they seize your money, you now have to go and argue in front of a judge that you were not doing anything wow. nefarious with them. And it's almost impossible to do. Wow. Cryptocurrency, you know, you're not carrying anything. Well, it's a few bits. Not yet. Well, you're carrying the bits, I but guess. But not necessarily. I can delete the app sure. on my phone, and then I sure. can re-log into it when I sure. reinstall it. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Uh, also, modern banking is sort of built on a model that uh, doesn't really isn't really the truth anymore. Yeah, it hasn't caught up. Gladys goes in the back, and she gets a file that has your account on it. And your she, signature. Right, and she fills out yep. the little thing, and she stamps it with her stamp. Debit and she $26. Comes, yep. Right, she comes out to the front, and she does the little transaction with you, and she goes back. There's none of that labor cost. It's, I mean, maybe that's an opportunity, though. You How so? Of, like, you know, there's this general movement with the Gen Zers to go back to, like, handmade things. Maybe we should do a bank that's all hand done. Oh, that sounds miserable. Doesn't it sound great? <laughs> but, like but you the fees, modern banking but slower the fees you're paying now for banking would would you know would cover that that's sure. what those fees were originally designed for server server cost is like nothing but instead of like a like a handmade cake you have a handmade mortgage one of the big motivations for cryptocurrency was everyone was very upset by the fact that the fed is intentionally baking 2.5 percent of of inflation yep. into cash money each and every year yep by the way, it doesn't actually happen. It never it never happens smoothly. You have years where you have, you know, zero inflation. Negative inflation. And you might have three, four years of that. It's going to catch up with you eventually. Totally. Yeah. It always will catch yeah. up with you. Law of averages, I guess, at the end. Uh, <clears throat> crypto's fun. So uh, do you know my crypto story? We talked about this on BTC. No, what you I was, got? I was, a, I was aloof to this earlier. Um, many, many years ago, aloof, I want to say aloof it was... Aloof to it or you alluded to it? I alluded to it, but I was aloof to, to, to telling you the story. I'm oh, not okay. sure I'm using that okay. word right. I didn't tell you the whole, I didn't give you all the details. Okay. Many uh, moons ago, there was this thing called Bitcoin that was relatively new. Yeah. And nobody was talking about it. They weren't worth anything. Me being a, a nerd and a you, technologist. You couldn't buy anything with it. No, no, no. It right. was At that point, it wasn't even on the radar. And I set up uh, a server at home just screwing around, and I had it mint a couple BTC. Yeah, that were do, do a again, mining. U- useless. Sure, and uh, that was it. I just I sat there. I kind of forgot about them, and then some number of years later, uh, not sure when, uh, they were worth whatever fifty grand. Yeah, for BTC. And I was like, ah, oh, I got these things sitting on a hard drive somewhere. Sure, you just have and to have the password for your wallet. Well, yeah, you're jumping to the end. So I'm pretty sure I know where the drive is. Oh, you don't even have the drive. Oh, I got the drive. It's in a box. I have okay. a box of all my old hard drives. Excellent. 
Uh, and you don't, I'm, you don't I'm, have an interface I'm, for the drive. Yeah, the interface I think I probably have. I'm guessing it's probably like an old SATA interface. So that part I think I can solve. That's okay. the good news. The bad news is I'm also virtually certain I do not know the password to the cold wallet. Sure. Which means, and I've always sort of thought about these BTC as uh, Schrodinger's cat. So yeah. as long as I don't go looking for them, I know that I have them. Right. And I can go get them whenever I want. Right. But then once I go look at them. And you don't have the password. No password. Realize it's just a dead cat. You got a dead cat. On a hard drive. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> so I just don't go look for it. Right now I'm very proud of my BTC that I can't. That you have no way to get to. No way to. There, there is this guy running around like somewhere I want to say on the East Coast. Have you heard about this? He huh. he he has like three hundred million bucks of BTC on a USB key that got thrown away in the landfill, oh and he's Lord. been digging up the landfill. Like he's offered twenty five percent or some sure. some insane cut to anybody that can help him find it. But there's literally <laughs> like a USB key. He's digging through the trash. How, how much dead Bitcoin is there? I mean, it's part of why Bitcoin goes up in value. Well, it has to be because the scarcity increases as idiots throw away their USB I mean, isn't, keys. It, how many? How, we'll have to research this for the next episode because our odd numbered episodes are typically the crypto AI linked episodes. Sure. Uh, but up front, there was a whole bunch that was mine that's never seen the light of day. So is it dead? Is it just floating around? Who knows? Well, if you don't have access to the wallet, it's dead. That's part well, of the problem with, with cryptocurrencies that require wallets. Yeah. You need to, to invent a cryptocurrency that doesn't need that wallet. Just uh, send your um, just send your keys to me. I'll manage it for you. No wallet needed. That's what the no wallet problem. is, though. I mean, sure. it's somebody else has your keys and can, drain, can, can dra drain your account on really something that's yep. mostly unregulated. Yeah, you thought LastPass hack was bad. Oh, yeah, sure. Wait till they take all your money. Yeah, totally. All right, so regular banking has its advantages. It does have its advantages. That's what this segment was about. That's what I was getting to. But that's like when, when BTC <laughs> was going sideways and people were complaining about, not, I'm sorry, I, I misspoke, not BTC, when the crypto market was going sideways. Yeah. And people were complaining about, oh, well, we need more, we need more uh, regulation around this. I'm like, yeah, that's oh, kind yeah. of the point, right? Like, you remember the but 30s? But on the other hand, I, I, regulation, regulation can also be a problem if you're in a country of that course. does not respect the rule of law. And they want their friends to just take your regulation can money. be a problem in a country where they do respect the rule of law. I'm yeah. not debating that, but it's a balance. And I think right now it'd be in the Wild West. And like, remember the Mount Gox hack? We don't even talk about it oh, anymore. Oh yeah, sure, sure. Man, like you, you don't have to dig very deep on that to realize just how terrible that system was. Yeah. And there was you know hundreds of millions of dollars in there, yeah. which now seems like, of course, in the light of SBF and FTX, you're like, oh, what's a couple hundred million bucks between friends? It's tipping money. Yeah, sure. It's tipping money. <laughs> it's tipping money. Exactly. Listen to our previous segment on tipping. Yeah. You'll see what I'm talking about. Anyway. All right. Now we're going to uh, move on to the year of the rabbit. Oh, we're talking about the Lunar New Year. Lunar New Year. Fabulous. Hit the button. Let's do it. Let's do it. There is contention in the air this Lunar New Year. Oh, yeah? What's yeah. that? Do you know what uh, what year this is? What Lunar New Year this is? <sighs> no. It's the rabbit. All right, great. Unless... As, as everyone says it, but I'm still writing snake on all my checks. I... Wow. That's <laughs> the world's oldest wow. joke. I mean... Just the idea of you writing a check exactly. in line at Whole Foods, somebody, and then you writing snake on the dateline so would be hysterical. So many problems with that. There's a lot, we had a lot to unpack here, listeners. I hope you're, <laughs> hope you're on a long drive. Uh, this year is commonly referred to as the year of the rabbit, unless you're in Vietnam. Oh. Where it's the year of the cat. 
Why is that the case? I have no idea. That's what I wanted to figure out. Because they rhyme and something got messed up? Well, uh, no, not quite that easy. An accident in the dictionary, um, uh, the dictionary speaking printing? Speaking of accidents in the dictionary. Like, like pterodactyl has a P in front of it? It does have a P, just like pneumonia. Yeah. Uh, th- it, uh, this is not related to any kind of, I believe I'm pronouncing this correctly, allurophobia. Do you know what that word means? Cat fear? Fear of cats. Oh, Extreme okay. or rational fear of cats. <laughs> cool. I had no idea. I learned that today. <laughs> researching this. Um, no, there's a couple different explanations. One is uh, that according to the Chinese legend, yes. the order of animals in the Zodiac cycle was determined by a, quote, great race. Okay. Which confused me. Sure. So I read deeper. and uh, sounds, sounds made up. It 100% sounds made up. Yeah. Some stories say that uh, Buddha declared that the first 12 animals to sign up for the race would be eligible to participate. And then the order that they finished the race in would ultimately determine the order of the lunar calendar. And the cat and the rat were the best of friends. The cat liked to sleep late. So on the morning of registration, <laughs> rat had agreed to wake him up. I'm not making this shit up. You're totally making I'm this not. Up. Rat had agreed to wake him up. But when the day came, rat forgot all about his promise. <laughs> and without his friend's alarm call, the cat overslept, missing his chance to sign up, which is why there's no cat in the lunar calendar. This okay. is according to the Royal Mint. Sure. So I'm presuming it's some sort of legitimate source. Must be true. So it's like, okay, that I'm not sure about that. Uh, that was one explanation. Some believe that the cat's inclusion in the Vietnamese zodiac comes down to etymology. Yeah. Somewhere in history, the ancient Chinese word for rabbit, pronounced mao, M-A-O, okay. was misinterpreted as meow for cat in Vietnamese. Oh, the word for cat in Vietnamese uh, is meow? Apparently. This oh, is what I, I read. Just, I M-E-O. I'm probably butchering the pronunciation, but it makes sense. Is the word for dog bark? Woof. Woof. Oh, I don't know. Is that true? No, that would be so no cool. Have, but it would be cool. I, I should have If told that's you true, yes. I'm totally learning Vietnamese. <laughs> yes. Okay. That'll be the best seven minutes of your life on Babbel. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it'll be right off that. Um, so... Uh, yeah, so that's one explanation. So that was meow. The third was that uh, the Vietnamese just don't want to observe two years with a similar animal. And I was okay. like, well, wait a minute. What are the similar animals? And then they see the mouse or the rat and the rabbit is being closely linked. Uh, and I'm like, wait not, a minute. Not seeing that. Yeah, I'm not seeing that either because uh, they've clearly never been to New York. Sure. Right? Like, I've never had a rabbit try to bum a cigarette off me on the subway. Sure. Right? Where, <laughs> meanwhile, I've had full-on conversations with rats. Sure. So I don't think that's what they're getting to. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that there was some contention over the animal that it is. So it's the year of the rabbit. And if somebody says this to you, you could say, well, or the year of the cat for a Vietnamese friend. Hat tip to uh, to Venkata. Uh, Reddy had my back for Act 6 this week. I, I had a hard time finding Act 6. And uh, Venkata helped us out. Uh, quickly, before we go, have you seen or read anything good this last week? Uh, yes. Well, not seen or read. I listened to um, the Melissa McCartney episode of Smartless. They're like third or fourth episode. It was really good. It's a great show. Yeah, it's a great show. And she's just so funny. I saw the movie She Said. Yeah? By the way, we've reached peak streaming app. What does that mean? That means that I have such a fatigue from signing up for streaming services oh, yeah, 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 yeah. that literally the, the Peacock app where she said plays is whatever it is, $5 a month if you have commercials and $10 sure. a month if you don't have commercials. And I paid $20 for the movie so that I wouldn't have to have another streaming service. <laughs> I'm willing to pay double the amount of money. That's the plan. In some cases, four times the amount Just of to money. Just get it once. So I don't have to have a streaming yeah, service. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are entire companies now that are built around unsubscribing you from shit you subscribe to. Uh, the movie is really good. It's it's about, uh, it follows the story of the New York Times journalist, uh, Jody Cantor and Megan Tuhi, who exposed Harvey Weinstein's sexual misconduct. Ah, 
Do you recommend it? I really do. It was it was it was quite good. And I and I know I think pretty much knew all the details of the story. Sure. There were there turns out there were a lot of things I didn't didn't know. Well yeah. told. And I, and I thought it was just great. That's the episode. Thank you for joining us for all this nonsense. A truly terrible podcast from the awful company. I'm, I'm CJ Little. I'm Jeff Parker. If you like this program, please follow, download, subscribe, and like at Apple, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get all of your podcasts. Podcast, podcastindex.org. Dot org. Special thanks to our floor director, Ryan Pfeiffer. Special thanks to Ryan. We'll be here every Wednesday morning for more nonsense. Join us. <laughs>